2: All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. A somber morning on Bet the Edge as uh, we lament Bucks plus two and a half, Bucks plus three minus one twenty going down in flames. Just an insipid performance all around. I knew we were in trouble, Drew, when uh, when Mike McCarthy went for it on uh, on fourth and goal and uh, drew up an excellent play and Dak Prescott ran into the to the end zone to make it. I think twelve nothing at the time. Uh... And if Mike McCarthy's making sound coaching decisions, then it was always going to be uphill. Uh, what did you make of the game? I
0: knew we were in trouble when um, uh, Tom Brady threw a uh, you know red zone pick first time since twenty nineteen. Uh, that was uh, that was a little eye opening. No, you are right. Uh, the um, I think the major takeaways for the game, and yes, I lament backing the Bucks. Absolutely, that was uh, pretty clearly. And you know we. I feel like the spirit of yesterday's pod was, uh uh-oh, there's clearly strong support for Dallas in the market here. Like, uh, there may be something we don't know. Um, And certainly, Dallas came in very, very healthy, very, very strong approach. Um, They looked like the team that I would have said was my top power-rated NFC team in the beginning to middle of November, Um, much more so than what we saw from them coming down the stretch. Um, that could be health related. It could be that they just kind of, you know, over the balance of the season, identified what worked best for them and kind of put all that in a box and said, save for the playoffs. Um, if that's what they, you know, if that's the case and they have another one of those performances in them, then this team is dangerous. Um, the market is very, very, very hot on them next week against the Niners, and we'll get to that. But uh, I think most of the takeaways you come out of that game with are positive Cowboys takeaways. People like to dump on the loser, which is fine. Like, yeah, I mean, bucks were pathetic like dump on them all you want like the offensive approach particularly to open the game I thought was pathetic uh no idea why you were attacking Dallas where you were attacking them even on the one drive that you know, that uh, uh, they succeeded. Brady was throwing interceptable passes left and right. And just in general, like, they were trying to do it the very hardest way possible. Um, And so it didn't ever really feel like it was going to, you know, be successful as you were watching it play out in the early stages. So um, congratulations to Dallas. Uh, It's worth noting that Dak Prescott came in. A lot of people were asking questions about his ability to perform at that level in a high-pressure game. He answered all of those questions with an emphatic, absolutely, I can. Um, That was his most impressive performance in a playoff environment that I've ever seen by a margin. Um, And, you know, he was the definition of poise uh, over the balance of this, you know, later stages of the first quarter through the second quarter. Um, His rollout, design rollouts, and his instinctual rollouts were all just absolutely perfect on note. Well-timed, well-executed. Uh, he made ex- outstanding decisions, and um, in general, uh, you know, just carved apart what uh, is rated as a you know relatively strong and healthy defense. So um, credit to the Cowboys overall, and credit to Dak Prescott in particular. Um, the giant question swirling now: we haven't seen the Cowboys do it two weeks in a row in freaking forever. Can they?
2: No. Well, yeah. <laughs> well I backed the Cowboys last night plus four and a half against uh, San Francisco. So. Oh, okay. So- Changed, changed tack very quickly after our fading the Cowboys. I think the what we talked about yesterday is that, yeah, if Dak Prescott looks like the guy that uh, lit up the Eagles a month ago in Dallas, then the Cowboys were probably going to win, and he looked uh, even better than that guy against Philadelphia, and they won. I think what I was gambling on, I think what we were gambling on, was that the Bucks had the better quarterback in the matchup, and last night they absolutely did not. I think a lot of people are focusing on the Tampa Bay – offense and how decrepit it looked to me the defense was just as bad the fact that they just couldn't get off the field on third down at yeah. all the fact that they had no pass rush whatsoever but they were still committed to only sending four and the combination of only sending four getting no pass rush and then having just comical breakdowns in the secondary meant that yeah. dallas did whatever they wanted Dak was Expert last night, he was magnificent. Looking off the safety for the touchdown to Dalton Schultz, such as peaked. Right. Yeah, if he looks like that again next week, then they're very live to beat the Niners. And so now that line now is is down to four. San Francisco favorite at home. The total is ticked up. Open at forty five, already up to forty six. Uh, so I bet the Cowboys last night plus four and a half. I think that this line should be three and a half. A little bit worried about. The rest element with um, San Francisco having two extra days, which doesn't seem particularly fair. Uh, But what do you make? What's your early rate on, on this one?
0: I think your takeaways are fair there. And honestly, the Tampa defense just looked like a unit that hadn't played together all season. Like, you know, if this was an NBA best of seven series, do they play that way every game? No, probably not. They probably, you know, improve over the balance of a series. But it's one and done, and they are done dead and buried. Dallas, on the other hand, did come out of that with a you know another injury to their secondary, um, Not exactly where you want to be heading into a matchup with a team that has a coordinator like Shanahan and has many weapons that can you know do damage in the secondary as San Francisco does. So um, Dallas is in a tight spot, in my opinion defensively in this one. Although if you look at kind of the performance of Brock Purdy over the balance of his time in San Francisco, you find a number of teams that don't have a meaningful pass rush. And we don't really know what Purdy's going to look like under duress. Uh, And for what it's worth, Dan Quinn pretty clearly had some stuff in his pocket that he had saved for the playoffs, uh, innovative ways to get Parsons, uh, you know, locked in on good tackles uh, to get pressure uh, in that Tampa Bay game. And I would expect he has all of that up his sleeve. Uh, If he puts Parsons in there against Trent Williams, I'm going to be very angry. Being any kind of positive Cowboys in this one. Um, but, you know, certainly uh, the idea that Purdy is going to be facing, uh, you know, some real deal pressure is interesting to me because I think there's a chance that he holds onto the ball too long and that the, you know, the ball hawks like the Diggs is in the secondary can come away with some picks uh, and put a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, extra possessions for the Cowboys, shorter fields and, you know, make this a good game. Because otherwise, this looks like an overgame to me. I'm shocked that we're staring at a 46. Shocked. Yes. This is uh this is two offenses that are both capable, I think, on a on an average day of getting to 24 points against their opponent. Um and so why this didn't start at 47 or 47 and a half is really surprising to me. Um right now, of all of the lines on the board, sides and totals that we see for uh divisional week, the over in this game is the one that speaks the most to me. Looks like we're gonna get beautiful weather in San Francisco um on uh, on sunday night and uh yeah i mean i'm counting on dak and company really i'm counting on the cowboys commitment to uh move past the zeke elliott era uh and keep their offense fluid um but uh you know they I, you know we have questions about uh the niners defense the niners defense got exposed at times uh against even the you know the the lowly seattle seahawks uh so you know the idea that uh you know that Dallas can put scoreboard pressure on this team, and uh, and Dallas, you know Dallas is live to win this game. I don't disagree with that, but uh, for me, four or three and a half is not quite enough points to get involved here, uh, and I don't think it's going up. But this looks like it's going down. So um, my guess is this closes three and a half. My guess is that the total takes a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of money to the over once the limits come up here, um, and uh, I think the over is the the where you want to be. And I honestly, I think you want to be over Dallas team. total Total points even more than the game over because there is a realistic chance that the pass rush here uh, could neuter Brock Purdy.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. And there's a few reasons that I lean Dallas. One is a lot of my Dallas skepticism in the Tampa game was that I thought there might have been something wrong with Dak to trigger a performance as bad as he had against Washington where he's 14 for 37. Like, that's completely dispelled. Dak is fine. He's 100% healthy. He looked amazing last night. So that's not mm-hmm. an issue at all. Dallas clearly going to have the better quarterback in this matchup. I think Purdy, like Purdy's been fine uh, and he's making the throws that he needs to. At the same time, he's had a lot of interceptions dropped. And when you look at the caliber of defenses that he's gone up against, Miami, who have been a banged up secondary all year. Tampa Bay, who have no pass rush, as we saw last night. Seattle, who have a bad defense. He's played them twice now. Commanders, good defense. He struggled in the first half in that game, then figured it out. And then the Raiders and the decrepit and finished Cardinals team. Like he hasn't been tested that much. Dallas, for whatever their flaws and injuries might be in the secondary, are clearly going to be, I think, the best defense that he's played to date um, by some margin. So that's a concern if you're on the Niners. And then the other thing that you raised is 49ers defense isn't what it was six weeks ago. Like they've had. They've had poor performances. The Raiders game remains very strange. Maybe they just didn't show up for that game, but they were awful defensively in that game. They weren't great against the Commanders either. Taylor Heineke was completing third and longs for fun in that game. Uh, And then against Seattle, they showed uh, certainly Ken Walker had a much better game than anyone would have expected there and the Seahawks were able to move the ball in the first half. So I think you add all that up, and I think that Dallas are the right side here. I think the over to your point, is the right side as well. Uh, and I just think that there have just been some warning signs with Purdy and someone who's been very invested in the Niners all season along a lot of fronts. I think I've seen every snap that Brock Purdy has played and he throws the ball up for grabs and he hasn't done it. He hasn't had to do it against a great defense yet. Now he's going to have to. And I just think back to how shell-shocked he looked on that first drive against Seattle. And maybe he's gotten that out of his system, but I uh, I would not trust uh, Brock Purdy in a matchup where he's clearly the inferior quarterback. Um,
0: I think that's very well said. And the two keys for this game are both on the Dallas side of the equation, which makes you really kind of think Dallas or pass, right? Um, how effective is the pass rush going to be? How does Purdy handle it on, on that matchup? And then on the other side... I, my question for you, how do you rate the Dallas screen game because the part of the, you know, the if you go in specifically with that Raiders tape and some of the other tape that showed, you know, some of the weaknesses of the Niners defense. It was a lot of the horizontal stuff, uh wide receiver screens getting Tony Pollard into space like I guess if you think the, you know, Dallas can get it going via the screen, which takes a ton of the pressure off Dak by the way, you know, kind of, you know, eliminates a lot of the pass rush strengths of the Niners. Um, you know, what is your read on the screen game for dallas do you think that would be part of their approach and do you think it will be successful
2: yeah well i think in a way and maybe this is getting too in the weeds but i think in a way the 49ers run defense being so excellent despite what ken walker was able to do for stretches is that hopefully it's so good that it just triggers dallas moving away from zeke very quickly because all frustrations around Dallas on offense have been just the just the abundance of Zeke carries, thinking back to that Eagles game a month ago, the way that they were just running Zeke first, second down. It was just agonizing to watch as someone who needed Dallas in that game. So I just I don't think they're going to be able to do that against San Francisco because it's just going to fail and fail quickly. And so the hope would be is that it's going to be a lot more Tony Pollard. And Tony Pollard was very involved last night. I think that bodes well if you are on Dallas against San Francisco and just how dynamic he is, uh, not just as a runner, but also um, in the screen game. I think that that should be key. And I think the San Francisco defense, like, yeah, maybe it still is the best in the league, but I don't think we have an absolute elite, no-brainer, historic number one defense this season. So Mm -hmm. I do think that Dallas will be able to to move the ball. And I think that with what we saw last night, with what we've seen overall the past six weeks from Dallas, I think you just throw that Washington game in the bin. Like I think you just write that off, and I'm not really reading too much into that. I think they were probably just looking ahead to the next week. They knew that the Eagles weren't going to lose to the Giants. And so I'm prepared to mostly write that game off now. Um, and I think, that, I think that Dallas are very live in this game. Let's quickly talk about the futures market. I don't think there's much value on the board in the NFC. Uh, the Eagles price quickly corrected itself going from uh, there was some plus 180 about after the Giants won. That's now into plus 155. I still think if I had to make a bet on the board, that would be the one. But I don't feel great about any of it. Here's the question for you, though, Drew. How do you power rate the Eagles versus the Niners? Just like not necessarily like, um, you know, who has the better path to winning the NFC, but just who's the better team right now?
0: Um. So the Niners, I feel like we're the biggest losers of Wild Card Weekend in terms yeah. of future equity. Um, if they drew Tampa, like they're licking their chops. If they drew the Giants, they're licking their chops. If they drew the Vikings, that they, they basically get a, a divisional buy. Right, like all of those teams, they match up so well against. They got the one team that matches up well against them, I think, in the Cowboys. So Niners take a shot in terms of how likely they are to win this round, and then even more than that, the Eagles now get a opponent that they've beaten comfortably twice in order to kind of sort out some of the issues that they may be facing in terms of injury, absence, and just just general health. Because the Eagles uh, have two power numbers for me. One is Jalen Hurts is 100% fine and he's in his MVP form from, you know, beginning of, uh, you know, beginning of December, late November. That power number to me, Eagles are, you know, a clear point and a half better than the Niners at full strength. The power number with Jalen Hurts dealing with the shoulder injury less than 100% uh, combined with some of the other absences that they have. And, you know, I, I don't really have... High confidence that Lane Johnson is 100. Uh, percent I think you're going to be missing some bodies in the secondary for the Eagles here in terms, you know, Sweat certainly Maddox, maybe, uh, you know, the, these these are guys that matter for the you know the depth of that defense and doing what they want to do with their plan A defensively. So, um, you know, considering the state of the Eagles from a health standpoint, um, their floor is you know one and a half points worse than the Niners for me we're going to answer a lot of those questions this week, right? So we'll get some certainty. You get another week of, you know, kind of um, uh, recovering from the shoulder injury for Hertz before you have to play uh, the Eagles if you are the Niners. And so I think the likelihood that that NFC championship game is full-strength Hertz is higher. So again, kind of another reason that the Niners lose a little bit of future equity because of the, you know, what how it broke this week. So, um, yeah, I, I mean... The numbers on the board do look fair. I think the Eagles are the only small value, and it is minuscule. um, But it also is conditional on Hertz being healthy, which is not a guarantee. So um, does my relative pricing of Philly, San Francisco sound right to you?
2: Yeah, I think just with the Eagles' concerns on the health front that I would make San Francisco the slightly better team on neutral. But, I mean, that's it's just guesswork because you don't know. It's not just like Hurts' of shoulder is obviously the big thing, but it's also, to your point, it's Johnson, Maddox, Sweat, Gardner-Johnson. Like, all these yeah. guys have question marks. If they were all healthy, then the Eagles are the best team, but we just don't know what they're going to look like. And I agree, there's no real angle in the NFC market uh, at the moment. Um, but... We will uh, jump into, I think, a market that is more exploitable, which is Super Bowl MVP. But firstly, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play. And you have a shot to win thousands uh, by this weekend by predicting what will happen in college basketball, the Premier League and the divisional round, including a shot at $100,000 by guessing the outcome between the Jags and
1: the Chiefs. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing.
2: Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
0: Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner, too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green like a like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services, or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, Call 1 800 9 with it. In Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. In Virginia, call 1 888 532 3500. Gambling problem? Call 877 8 Hope, New York, or text Hope, New York. That's 467 369. In New York, call 1 800. Gambler. In Pennsylvania, call 1 877 770 STOP. That's 1 877 770 6867. In Louisiana.
2: All right, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, This market is a lot less liquid than the conference market, than the Super Bowl market, so it is a little bit more exploitable. Patrick Mahomes is the favorite at plus 380, then Josh Allen, uh, and then basically all of the quarterbacks, Burrow, Purdy, Prescott, uh, and so on. So, look, if you're looking at the top of the market, I think it starts with Patrick Mahomes. So he's plus 380, the Chiefs are plus 300. Uh, Just a very simple way to look at this is that once you math it out, uh, if you think that Patrick Mahomes is more than an 83% chance to win Super Bowl MVP, if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, then you're better off betting Patrick Mahomes to win Super Bowl MVP than you are backing the Chiefs at plus 300 to win the Super Bowl I think Mahomes is more than an 83% chance. It can't be that much more, but I do think it's closer to 90% or potentially even above that. So if you're looking back, the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, I would just back Mahomes MVP. Um, is there anyone in this market that, that leaps out to you?
0: I've struggled with what to do with Philly. Um, because of a key point that we may have talked about, and I can't remember if it was you and me or me and someone else, but uh, doing too much content this time of year. The, uh, (laughs) The Hertz price is interesting because there is now a weird situation where a lot of voters had kind of decided that Hertz was the rightful MVP before he got hurt. And so there's a little bit of a makeup vote for him. Right. Which I think swings the Philly pool, even though there are lots of other realistic candidates for Philly, all of a sudden, uh, you have a situation where Hertz doesn't have to do anything special to be the guy if Philly wins, um, just because there's sort of a we owe him recognition for his season. Right. So he is starting with a huge head start now, potentially, if Philly wins. Um, And, you know, obviously. Seven to one is better than the price you're going to get on Philly to win the Super Bowl right now. And what are they, you know, they have to take care of business against as seven and a half point favorites at home, and then they get another home game to punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. And and honestly, the entire kind of concept of betting any futures at all, the entire playoff so far has been take some shots in the NFC because you're hoping, and it's still not out of the realm of possibility that chaos could ensue on the AFC side. Right. Like there are four, there, there are three elite teams and one very good team still alive in the AFC. And either the, uh you know, uh, an unexpected could happen and somebody like Jacksonville emerges, in which case somebody like Philly might be what three point favorites in the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden now you're holding us seven to one on Hertz and he's the favorite to win. Like, you know, like that is a realistic possibility where you could scoop equity. Just by taking care of business and letting chaos ensue on the other side of the bracket. Uh, and then the other outcome is whoever emerges from this mess in the AFC is battered and beaten and bruised. Uh, you know, as, you know, if Burrow, if Burrow comes through and beats the Bills, none of us are going to be surprised. If Burrow does it again against Mahomes and the Chiefs, none of us are going to be surprised. But he's going to take the field in the Super Bowl with, uh, you know, the B squad blocking for him again. And, you know, going up against your monsters on the D line, all of a sudden, Philly, since he pick them, you know, like, you know, there's very uh, there's a lot of positives that come out of um, betting on anything, pop, you know, at NFC at this point where you are just, you know, your team takes care of business and the weaker half of the draw and then, con- you know, chaos ensues on the other half and the equity comes into your pot. So that's sort of the only angle I really see to attack. And so if I had to only just take one price, I'm looking for her the one.
2: Yeah, I think with Hurts, like again, the equation is he's plus 700 to win MVP and the Eagles are plus 475 on points bet to win the Super Bowl. So if you think that Jalen Hurts is more than a 72% chance to win MVP, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, then you're better off backing Jalen Hurts MVP. I think he probably is more than a 72% chance just because when you just think about it, like the fact that they're going to have – most likely, they're going to play the Chiefs or the Bills in the Super Bowl. Yes, chaos could ensue, but that would be the favorite outcome. And if Jalen Hurts is going to win uh, three playoff games, including beating Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, uh, or Josh Allen, that means that he is very likely healthy and is back to being at least close to the guy who was, for a time, MVP favorite. And so the total in the Super Bowl, if it's against Kansas City or Buffalo or even if it's against Cincinnati – is going to be around 50. It's going to be a high-scoring um, game you would expect. And in that type of game, Jalen Hurts is going to very likely be the MVP of Philadelphia wins. So I agree. I think that that's value. I think that you ride the upside of the Eagles and Hurts being healthy in that sense um, as opposed to just backing them to win the Super Bowl. The only other eagle and really only other guy full stop on the board that interests me right now is Miles Sanders who is out there at 200 to 1. Um, Whoa. <laughs> not, not an inspiring bet. Miles Sanders to win Super Bowl MVP. But at the same time, 200 to 1 means that in regard to their Super Bowl price, if you think Miles Sanders is at least a 3% chance to win MVP if the Eagles win the Super Bowl... Then two hundred to one is a bet. So um, that is a little bit too big. It's seventy to one on points bet, which I think is probably closer to right. But um, there are some bigger prices about. And look, Sanders, I think he's had three games this year of at least one hundred and thirty-four rushing yards and two touchdowns, and that uh, that that's very likely. Well, it's potentially enough to win Super Bowl MVP. So he would be the other look there, and that kind of. You know, if they are playing with a lead, Sirianni does love to run the ball in the second half. So I think that that would be the angle. Any long shots on the board that are the jump out to you?
0: I mean, two hundred to one on Sanders sounds pretty tasty. So I can't hate anyone who makes that bet. But uh, just out of curiosity, I've, and I've heard people make case for Christian McCaffrey. I've heard people make cases for uh, you know some of the other running back candidates here, which I am not buying into. Because Jay, do you remember the last time a running back won Super Bowl MVP? terrell davis right oh wow off the top of your head very very good man that was a very that was incredible right? yes. incredible yes he won um you know super Bowl what was that 2000 it was elway's first super bowl uh i guess that was 98 um terrell davis terrell davis uh 30 carries 157 yards three touchdowns in that game so uh it's been a while <laughs> and it, it takes a lot um but a three touchdown performance from a running back absolutely puts you in the mix and i you know there's has plenty of games this season where philly has got it done late by you know salting away a win with on the ground so uh sanders being that guy is isn't crazy so I'll, i i will price shop a little bit and see if i can find some of that uh, like you but um the only skin I have in the game is we took a couple of wild long shots on some Niners who are not Brock Purdy, uh, yes. which I think is a fun way to shop, too, because if the Niners win, the idea that it go, you know, that that is up for grabs, I think is real.
2: Yeah, uh, there's, there's still some 150 to one about on um, George Kittle, which. I feel worse about after seeing what Debo Samuel looked like. Um, <laughs> so I think that that's probably about fair now. I was hoping that um, that yeah that Purdy would continue uh, hunting for Kittle, maybe he will in a, in a Super Bowl. But I think Nick Bosa as well is still eighty to one hundred to one out there, which is maybe a more interesting look. But yeah, I think that better hurts Mahomes and um, and my man Miles Sanders who. People just kind of scoff at them. Like, oh, "Miles Sanders isn't winning Super Bowl MVP." So, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. He's probably not. But two hundred to one's too big for a starting running back on a team that loves to run the ball. That is plus one fifty five to make the Super Bowl right now. It's uh, it's just too big. All
0: right, I gotta I gotta ask you an opinion question. One more guy. Yeah. Uh, let's say that the very possible happens, and this is the Bengals. Uh, you know, from out of the AFC, does that open up the door to more defensive players because of the potential five sack game? Well, uh, Micah Parsons, are we on the, the new dad? Micah Parsons uh, coming home with five sacks in the Super Bowl and being the difference for Dallas? I was looking at his price
2: yesterday because before they beat the Bucks, he was available at 150 to one. But even oh, no. <laughs> like I still think I didn't back I it, it, and he's still now he's 80 to one on points bet, like still a defensive player. I think there have been four defensive players who have won the Super Bowl MVP in like the past 26 years or something. And mm-hmm. yes, if anyone's going to win it, it's going to be Micah Parsons or Nick Bosa. But I struggle to get Parsons to more than like maximum 10% of Super Bowl MVP equity for Dallas. Like it's so hard. Like you need, need three sacks, maybe two sacks and a forced fumble or a return touchdown. Like it's pretty hard to get there. So I mean, he's live. He's as live as any defensive player will be. But yeah. I just can't. I can't. Yeah, if
0: if, the, if they face the Chiefs, then he's walking. He's dead man walking. Like the that's a dead dead money in the pool. Um, yeah. But against the Bills or the Bengals, uh, yeah. he's live. I think honestly, if it's against the Bengals, like that line you just said, that's your kind of baseline expectation for him in that game.
2: Yep. No, I agree there. All right. Before we get into Giants, Eagles. A reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, Giants-Eagles. The line opened basically Eagles minus seven. Now it's up to minus seven and a half on points and pretty much everywhere. The total is 48 and a half. What do you like in this game, Drew?
0: Yeah, so uh, I misread the market yesterday morning when we were talking about it. Um, it was sitting at a flat seven. My opinion was, if it comes off either way, it's going to go to six and a half because somebody's going to make uh just an uh, you know just a educated guess that hurts isn't a hundred percent and try to get ahead of. Injury news like limited participant in practice, which I think is probably coming for him. Like if he is a full participant in practice, uh, you know, on the first injury report of the week for Philly, that'll be a little bit of a surprise considering the comments we heard from him last week. Um, and so, you know, there could, you know, if there's going to be a move, I still think it's going to be in the direction of the Giants here. Um, but yesterday it went sincerely from a flat seven to a flat seven and a half. So. Um, there's confidence out there that Philly is going to be right, that Hertz is going to be right for game time. Um, but, you know, just in terms of trying to capture best of the price, uh, I am still very concerned that you see injury reports that, uh, and, and just in general, commentary from the team that tries to damp expectations for Hertz. right? It seems like there's going to be a little bit of an effort here to, you know, kind of try to take the pressure off of him externally by the stuff that they say to the media, um, you know, and if that comes in the context of building in excuses by saying he is still dealing with an injury, then that's not crazy to me. So um, the the if there's a market sentiment move based on you know the quotes and the and the uh, the team actions and activities, uh, I still think you could get uh, a flat seven if you want it for the Eagles later this week. Um, and in that same context, if you want the Giants, you're looking at a, a pretty you know, a pretty decent size limit they'll rate you right now at a seven and a half that may not be there come Saturday. So, um, just in terms of market dynamics, this looks like, uh, you know, the giants are the move right now. Um, and the fact that the total is up to 48 and a half, I think is correct. I think that in general, the, um, you know, some of the books that are stuck at a flat 48 out there are going to eventually cave and and move up a hair uh and i think that comes on the context of the eagles not being fully healthy you mentioned uh you know the 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 three key injuries that i have been very very carefully watching josh Schlett, avante maddox and uh, cj gardner johnson all three guys matter uh the eagles defense is only their top power rated number if those guys are out there and you know they uh they don't have a ton of depth uh you know the um the guys they bring off the bench to backfill there are susceptible to giving up big plays and so um if this is a defense that is lack that's not at full strength all of a sudden the idea that uh you know Kafka and Dable can cook up an offensive scheme that gets the giants into the 21 24 point range i think is a baseline expectation and at that point this thing is flying over 48
2: yeah I am on an island with this one and all the smart people I talk to tell me I'm wrong, but I don't understand why this line isn't bigger. I, Off the top of my head when I was guessing, uh, I thought it was going to be minus nine and I was immediately told, no, no, that's way wrong. It's going to be, it's going to open seven and I was wrong on that, but I still don't. I just think this Giants rushing defense, uh, they fixed their pass defense largely with the Dory Jackson coming back, McKinney coming back, but the rush defense is still really bad. It's still... It's the, it's the worst rush defense in the league over the last six weeks of the regular season. It's 30th in rush defense EPA uh, on the season, and they're going up against the Philadelphia Eagles who beat them 48-22 um, just over a month ago. I don't think this Giants team is uh, as good offensively as they looked against Minnesota, who have one of the worst pass defenses in the league, and Dayball put... Kevin O'Connell in a clown suit. He's not going to have that clown suit on hand for Nick Sirianni. And I just think that I'm not really sure it's going to matter if Jalen Hurts' shoulder is that bad in terms of throwing the ball. Uh, I think that this is a a gigantic mismatch. and, uh, And I just go back to the fact that in the past nine, Giants have won three of their past nine games. Like, they're just, they're not that good. The teams they've beaten, yes, they look great on offense against Minnesota, but then they've beaten the Jeff Saturday Colts and Taylor Heineke. Like, congratulations. I think the Giants are a lot better than they've shown um in the middle part of the season when they were really banged up and they are healthier on defense. But I just don't think there's anything there from a rushing defense perspective. I think the linebackers... Uh, no good, uh, and I think that the Eagles can do whatever they want on the ground, and Hurts will be good enough. And also, the pass defense, even if it is banged up, it's going to be a lot better than Minnesota's, and I think there'll be some resistance there. So yeah, I, I lean Eagles, but I say that with some caution that everyone I speak to who is clever um, pushes back and says this is going to be closer than than I think. But but yeah, any uh, cold water to throw on that? Yeah. Uh...
0: I mean, I would be with you with in lockstep if I had confidence. Hertz was right because because the the you know the Giants' defense is smoke and mirrors. It is all pass rushes, blitz, classic, classic wink, Martindale, classic, right? And the you you have already identified the weakest unit in the game by far is the linebacking core for the Giants. Realistic chance Jalen Smith gets 100% of the defensive snaps here. And if you don't think that Nick Sirianni has keyed up some uh, some plays to put Jalen Smith in hell, then I have news for you. That is exactly plan A here. Um, If the pass rush is not getting home because the Eagles offensive line, again, Lane Johnson, huge question mark, but at full strength, the Eagles offensive line is the best in football, period. Full stop and you give Jalen Hurts time with a healthy shoulder and his mobility uh, in, you know, dual threat uh, quarterback with a kind of a balanced offensive approach, the Eagles should, like, not really have trouble sniffing 30 points, right? And at that point, you're just, you know, your fingers crossed that, that the, you know, there's a little bit of a, um, a regression here for the Giants offensively after what we saw last week and that they, you know, they get stuck in the teens, uh, and, you know, a game state where the Eagles are comfortably ahead and socking away a lead with 10-minute drives and just running success on every third and medium and third and short, um, you know, and and the Giants are going for it on fourth down because they're at such a deficit. I mean, that speaks to an Eagles cover uh, and is certainly, you know, a reasonable chunk of the potential outcomes here. So I get why, where you're at, but a, a ton of that to me depends on Hurts being able to throw the ball 15 yards downfield along the sidelines with accuracy and not hesitating to uh, to take the yards that are available in the running game uh, if the pressure forces him out of the pocket. And both of those things are conditional on his shoulder being 100% in my mind. So that's, I think, why we are where we are in this uh, price that may not seem 100% right.
2: Yeah. I do would take heart in the fact that, like, Hertz did play in week 18 and if he was really really hurt I think they could have gotten through that game with Gardner Minshew against the Lions uh, against the Giants backup so and he He didn't look good in that game, but at least he was taking hits and throwing the ball. So I think he will look better. He probably won't be 100%, but, again, it's just speculating. But I think he will be at a healthy enough level for the Eagles to cover, but certainly uh, important to monitor the rest of that injury report because it is significant. All right. We are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, please remember to subscribe and rate us from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll be back tomorrow.